So even though mm-hmm. we've been at home a lot more and less busy, I wonder if we've really been resting. And mm. it doesn't seem like it in a lot of ways. Singing in the kitchen. Running through the yard. Greetings, Redeemer family, and welcome back to Redeemer Radio. I am Ross, joined again by Dan and Sean. And Sean, I heard you guys had a fun night at youth group last night. We did. I, I went to the grocery store and I bought a bunch of candy. And uh, I bought a hoodie from a local coffee shop. And uh, and I hid everything throughout the church building, so I'm still finding some candy this morning. Found some Mike and Ikes in our... Uh, uh, podcast recording room but yeah it was fun we did a treasure hunt just sent kids looking for candy throughout the building so it's great and we had a good discussion around the social dilemma so that's oh, nice. that's really what we spent most of our time on <laughs> but the treasure hunt was fun so that's great yeah i'd love to hear more about the social dilemma talk but uh for another time uh we are continuing our series called well-worn paths and last week we talked about silence and solitude and this week is in some ways, a corollary to that. We're talking about Sabbath rest, and we've got a lot to cover, so I'm just going to jump right in. So guys, you know, we we have, I think, about eight topics we're covering in this series, and so we had to be selective, and we had to be thoughtful in what we chose to cover. And so, you know, what made Sabbath rest make the list? You know, why did this make the list? What is so important about talking about Sabbath and about rest? What are some, some initial thoughts you guys have? I think I hear from a lot of people just how tired they are, how mm. weary they are, how busy they are. And God has given us a great opportunity to be restored and refreshed. And I think the whole conversation about Sabbath and what it should be and how do we do it kind of comes and goes and wanes at different times. Sometimes we get lost in the minutia instead of, I think, the principles that we're going to try to talk about today. Uh, there was a insight from Mark Buchanan. He wrote a book, The Rest of God, Restoring Your Soul by Restoring Sabbath. And he made this comment, busyness kills the heart. And busyness makes us stop caring about the things we care about. And busyness also robs of knowing God the way we might. So even Mm -hmm. though we've been at home a lot more and less busy, I wonder if we've really been resting. And Mm. it doesn't seem like it in a lot of ways. I think busyness and hurry. So John Ortberg has a quote that he says that hurry is a disordered heart. And so if we think Mm -hmm. about our heart being disordered, there's lots of things that can that can cause that to happen. But um, I think hurry and rest, uh, hurry and rest can be are just enemies of one another. And I think we feel hurry more often than we feel rest. And so if it's in the Bible, if it's something God talks about, God is it's important to God. It's in his creation story. It's like how he made the world. He, He rested and and. Uh, and he created us for rest and, and all that. So we have to consider what that means and see what sort of the, some of the enemies are. And we're just not good at it. Right. Yeah, we're right. just not good at this as, especially as Americans. I think we glorify and noblize work and going above and beyond and achievement and, and things like that. And those are good things, but I think we, they, we cross over the line pretty easily. Um, yeah, no, that's a great point, Sean. I was going to say something similar. I think in some ways we, we do, you know, almost idolize vacations and and time off but but a lot of times even though we do those things they don't we don't come back refreshed and rested and I think that is part of the problem is maybe we are getting better at making time although plenty of us are not and myself included but even when we do make time we don't always know how to use that time best and we'll, yeah. we'll talk more about that <laughs> I was going to add you can't kind of hit on that if we're going to have to have a good theology of rest and Sabbath, we need to have a good theology of work. Mm. And if that's deficient, then the other's going to be deficient as well. So I think we're hitting on that. 
uh, in that concept, which we've talked about a few times at, over the years in Sunday school, just the theology of work. But I think it's still it's so influenced by our culture that it, it gets distorted really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I heard someone say recently, a pastor, he, he said he was quoting or someone else, but um, just reflecting on this reality that if he broke you know, commandments one through three or five through 10, at least in a significant way, he would lose his job. But if he broke the fourth commandment to rest, he would probably get a raise. And I think that <laughs> was a really interesting way to, uh, that's an interesting cultural commentary, <clears throat> yes, not just on the pastorship, but also in any work. I think that is, yeah. there's a lot of truth to that. And I think Absolutely. it says a lot about um, so the, the, the waters we're swimming in. Uh, and the the need for hurry and 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 for achievement, and you you have this in the in in our notes here, Ross. But you, there's a note about the Americans taking less paid vacation time, like comparatively yeah. to other countries. Yeah, the and, least amount. And, yep. Yeah, the least amount of paid vacation time. What I find interesting about that is our culture values vacation time and values time away from work enough to to have jobs that give us paid vacation time. And, and that's a, like a common thing, right? Especially in full-time jobs and it's just expected. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if our culture is reflecting this thing, that's true about God, this idea of rest and separating yeah. from work, um, th- and then we need to model this well, I think, mm. um, and not, not, not to put pressure on, but like, I think we should really, really dive into what it means to, to rest or, or maybe the word is delight, which we'll get to in a minute, but yeah. Yeah, there's so much more we could say, but um, but I think that gives a good picture of, of just the need for this discussion. So uh, let's talk now about what does rest mean to God? What what does the Bible say about Sabbath rest? And and I'll kind of start doing almost a, a biblical, a quick biblical theology of Sabbath um, here, and, and let Dan and Sean interject as they see fit, but. Uh, the idea of Sabbath rest actually starts at creation. So if you guys want to talk about a well-worn path, this is probably the most well-worn. It's instituted at creation. And, and Genesis 2, 1 through 3 says, Thus the heavens and earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done and rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all his work that he had done in creation. A lot of repetition in those, um, and repetition is an emphasis. Friends, we worship the God who invented the weekend. Uh, I think that we have to remember that, how neat it is that God, um, that what a gift this is that Dan was talking about earlier, that Sabbath rest is. And in some ways you could argue that some have argued that Sabbath was the climax of the creation stories. You look at the narrative of Genesis 1 and 2, um, this is sort of the climax, um, which could also, you could imply that in, in some ways this Sabbath rest was the goal of creation. Um, you got to be careful with that. I, I say that hesitantly, but, um, but there's a way in which just the, the, the communion of God with his people um, was, was some of the goal of creation. And so it's interesting to see this God who... Um, he rested and he clearly wasn't resting to because he was tired and worn out like you know we as humans are so guys what do you think like what do you think his rest was about i think you hit it i mean he was resting and delighting in what he did mm-hmm. uh, now again you'll get to it but it changes for us right because there was the fall and then yep. work became a curse exactly. so there is a sense that for us 
rest will look different, but it's modeled by God. Like you said, it's a creational ordinance. It's a creation pattern. And so therefore this one in seven is something we ought to think about. Um, and we, so we often get so tied up in the, what can I, I can't I do on mm-hmm. the Sabbath? Uh, we were talking yesterday. It reminded me when I was working with students in particular and they'd be like, well, you know, like physically how's far too far, you know? And, I always knew that was the worst question because they're just trying to get to the edge and get away with what they can. And I think we sometimes miss this creational piece. Right. And we're like, well, what can I do and what can't I do on the Sabbath instead Mm. of why did God, why did God rest and what, why should we rest? I think there's a lot of growth that happens in sitting back and wondering why God rested and, and Mm -hmm. thinking about, Mm. thinking about the creation story. We love a good origin story, especially in the movies, right? Um, What, what is the point of this? What happened? Well, how did we get to this place? Why is this there? So I think even a lot of growth happens as we take silence and solitude or meditation and time to really chew on that and think on Saturday nights, right? What does it mean to rest? What is it? Why did God rest on the seventh day? You know, I think there's a lot of growth that can even happen in, in our curiosity. Yeah, I like that you bring up origin stories because that, that was where I was going next is you think about the context of Genesis written by Moses to the Israelites in the wilderness. They've just come out of what? Out of slavery in Egypt. They've been slaving to death. They probably haven't had much of a rhythm of Sabbath rest. And so for them to learn um, that this was a, a creational rhythm that God instated um, and if you think about the, the competing creation narratives in that day, um, none of them included, at least none of them included rest for all of mankind. Rest was probably more for the elites, um, not for the common man or, or woman. And, um, and so in many ways, this creational narrative, uh, the true creational narrative is an indictment on the competing narratives of that day where rest is instituted uh, for all people by God and but also just think about the power of this for them who had not rested well in Egypt. Um, this was in a sense going to help decode them from their, you know, Egyptian um, ways of life. And there's an interesting story in Exodus 16 where, you know, God had told them about the manna and said, take extra manna on Friday because I will not bring it on Saturday so you can rest. But there's actually people that still go out on, on the Sabbath to look for it, even though they've been told not. And, and I think implied in that, you can just see almost this habit. This It's it's almost habit for them to work seven days a week. And um, interestingly, uh, during the French Revolution, they tried to inst- um, extend the week to 10 days and had a, tried to have a 10-day week, and they tried it for almost a decade and, and it eventually failed. Um, and that's I think there's at least something there to how um, this is such a creational um, part of us. So the other big part in the Old Testament is the Ten Commandments, of course. And uh, the Fourth Commandment says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. On it you shall not do any work. You, your son or daughter, male servant, female servant, livestock, sojourner in your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and earth and sea and all that's in them. And rested on the seventh, therefore he blessed it and made it holy. So there's so much we could say here. I just want to first highlight there's there's a negative side to this command and a positive side. The negative side is don't work. The word Sabbath can literally mean stop or cease. And so there's this, you know, stopping or ceasing from work that's involved. But there's also the positive side. It says keep it holy. It is a day to the Lord. 
And I, I really think that that phrase helps us see God's heart behind this command in, in some ways. It's an invitation. Um, the creator of the universe longs for regular, intentional, extended fellowship with us. It's almost as if he's saying and inviting behind this command, hey, can we spend some regular time together? And I think of how, you know, my wife and I try to have date nights on occasion. And, and to do that, we have to plan. Um, we have to really carve out that time, get a babysitter, find a restaurant, make a reservation. So what if I, I did all that work to, to kind of make that time to be with my wife, but then we get to the table and I just pull out my phone and I just kind of catch up on social media instead of connecting with my wife. Like it's not just ceasing from work, but it's also making the day to the Lord. It's, it's, um, and so and it's not just a day off. Um, someone has said it's not just the pause that refreshes, it's the pause that transforms. Mm, right. So, And I think we're, we don't look forward to that naturally, right? Yeah. Because the, the, the rest of the week is so enveloping mm-hmm. that I think we don't, we don't look forward to that. We, do all the, we may even do all the planning, but when we get there, we're not good at it. And I, we're, we're going to talk more about that, but I thought that was a really helpful illustration. Uh, we just don't look forward to it um, as yeah. we ought to. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so um, you know, one Christian thinker he did he gave a talk on rest and sort of the apex of the talk, um, I think, kind of helps us see some of the wisdom of this aspect of the Sabbath that it is to the Lord. He says we're not restless because we're busy, we're busy because we're restless. And I think you guys were both mm, getting yeah. at that idea earlier. Um, so in other words, exhaustion isn't as much a symptom of busyness as busyness is actually a symptom of an exhausted heart, a heart grasping for security, grasping to make a difference, grasping for distraction and busying our lives as much, um, as they need to be towards those ends. Um, and so I think the more rested our heart is, I think the, the slower life we're able to embrace a slower life. Uh, you know, Corey Ten Boom said, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. And um, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Now, that's not to say busyness is bad in itself. Um, it just needs to be organized around rest and worship. Um, otherwise, it can become unhealthy. So another thing to say about, you know, Exodus 20, and then there's, a, of course, another listing of the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy 5. But this is the only one where there, there's actual, actually a little bit different wording. In Exodus 20, um, the, the motivation for this is, is it's creational. For God created the world in six days and rested on the seventh. And then Deuteronomy 5 has a different reason. It says, keep the Sabbath. And then it ends by saying, you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt. And the Lord brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord commanded you to keep the Sabbath. So Dan and Sean, like, what do you think God is getting at with those two different rationales for the Sabbath in Exodus and Deuteronomy? I mean, some of it, and I haven't thought that much about this recently, but I think some of it is even when we look at the Genesis creation thing, we, we understand God rested before the fall and needed it differently. And now post-fall, post-enslavement, uh, life looks different. And so it's giving a picture of, of rest and future rest. I think we're going to talk about it, but even Hebrews 4 takes that passage of uh, Israel's enslavement mm. and their longing for rest and 
reminds us that's a picture of the future rest Mm -hmm. that God's going to have. And it gives us a picture of even greater delight and being with him and kind of hit on your theme. I I was thinking of Isaiah 58 where it, it challenges Israel. If you turn your back from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it in not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Hmm. Again, this image of delighting in the Lord, going his way, slowing down. Remember, we're created for him, which is hard to do, particularly when you're enslaved and you're under someone else's control. Yeah. Uh, And this is, I think, a reminder, a covenant renewal in some ways of each Sunday. We're the Lord's and he is ours and we need to live for him. So I think that distinction of how it looks different from creation to the fallen world is maybe one aspect of why they're different. Yeah. I was just, he said the word, but I was going to say it reveals covenantal character, the covenantal character of God and how he, he has a plan for redemption and he's Mm -hmm. not leaving us to our own devices. He's giving us Mm -hmm. instruction and modify and, you know, and really meeting us on our, on our terms to, to be able to explain this in a way that we understand. So he's like, okay, yeah, it's different now slavery and you're it's, it's post fall. And and that's really just, it's really accommodating and really loving of him to do that. And, and it really just hints at this plan of redemption that he has for his people long-term and a Mm. eternal rest and Mm -hmm. and eternal communion with him. Yeah. And I've been thinking as we've been going, if, if we needed rest before the fall, how much more do we need it after the fall, especially that our work has now become toil and even more laborious by the sweat of your brow, you will work the land. Yeah. I was thinking of just a couple other words. It's not just, we often just think of rest maybe narrowly, but it's restoration, it's renewal, it's Mm -hmm. refreshment. Yeah. It's all those things, not just, um, physical rest, spiritual, emotional, all, all sorts of things. It's restoration I think is a a helpful picture for me about what the Sabbath ought to be. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, kind of moving to the new Testament, it it comes up a couple of times, um, in the new Testament, uh, Jesus and Paul hit on the Sabbath in different ways. And I'll probably just summarize how the new Testament sort of enhances our view of the Sabbath is it recalibrates how we think about it. And it also refuels it. So it recalibrates it. Think about how many times the Sabbath comes up in, in the Gospels. Um, the, 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 um, the Pharisees were kind of the, the Sabbath paparazzi. They were always kind of following Jesus to see what he was doing. Um, and it, it's, it's been said that they had 37 extra laws to kind of hedge around just, to, just about Sabbath. They were kind of the Sabbath police. Uh, but Jesus has this story where he says that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. He has the authority to define and describe it. And then he says that beautiful phrase, the Sabbath is for man, not man for the Sabbath. And in that moment, he's correcting the Pharisees' idolatry of Sabbath keeping. It just became, they, have, they found almost identity in their, um, and they were making an idol out of their Sabbath keeping, and they were missing the point. And Jesus tries to remind, this is for your benefit not for slavery. And then Paul has something similar. Um, in Colossians 2.16, he says, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Mm-hmm. 
And again, he's not saying that there's no more one day and seven rhythm. That's, as we've seen, that's a creational design. And Hebrews talks about a Sabbath rest remains. But what Paul is doing, kind of like crisis, he's addressing abuses of the Sabbath, people judging others because of Sabbath principles and, and kind of missing the point. And so, um, so that's some of how they recalibrate it. They try to get us back to um, the point of it and the heart of it. Um, of delighting and that Sabbath is for man. This is for our rest and our renewal. Um, and things are a little different, just like um, circumcision becomes baptism, Passover becomes Lord's Supper. There is a progression in the New Testament from Sabbath to Lord's Day. Um, and it gives sen- Jesus sort of a central focus to our Sabbath rest. And we do it on Sunday now. That was the early church's practice to, you know, in light of the resurrection. And, and it's neat how in the Old Testament they worked unto rest. And, and the, the rhythm is now we rest into our work mm. with, with it being the first day of the week. And that's, that's just the, a picture of the gospel. We, we work from our rest. Um, so he recalibrates it, um, but he also refuels it. Um, and so God is serious about Sabbath keeping. And part of why the Israelites were sent into exile uh, was because of their, their absence of Sabbath keeping. This is a, a very serious thing for God. And, you know, Jesus doesn't just bring a fresh new meaning to Sabbath, but he keeps it for us. And that's something to remember as we we can easily get discouraged about our, you know, the ways we sin in regard to Sabbath keeping and lack of rest. But we need to remember that um, that Jesus, we, we inherit his perfect record, and that includes his Sabbath keeping. And I think this refuels our own Sabbath keeping. It frees us to feel safe to pursue Sabbath rest imperfectly, knowing our salvation isn't in our performance, um, and we can run to Jesus when the accuser fills us with the spirit of slavery and guilt over um, our bad practices. But it also refuels us by freeing us in the power of Christ's spirit to organize our busy lives and rhythms around worship and rest. Um, This idea that we're not just saved from um, sins, but we're saved unto righteousness, that God gives us his spirit to to lead a more flourishing life. And, and as we've seen, that this is part of what a more flourishing, um, righteous life looks like. This is for our good. And Jesus gives us his spirit um, to co- sort of refuel, that we are able to more keep the Sabbath and the power of the spirit. So, Dan and Sean, any other things you'd want to say about sort of the New Testament um, and, and how it helps us understand the Sabbath? When we were in Israel a couple of years ago, uh, on Saturday, uh, when they would celebrate the Sabbath, there were two elevators, and one would stop on every floor, and that was the elevator that the very strict Jews would take, because for them to push the elevator button was work. And so wow. we <clears throat> we got in that elevator once before we figured that out, yeah. Um, because it <clears throat> it was more work to not to be patient and go, stop at every floor for me than to actually push the button for the floor I wanted. But it it, it made me realize it it's really easy to to paint the Pharisees in a bad light, hmm. and yet their desire was to be faithful and and explicitly obedient to the word of God. Yeah. You know, and I see that tension throughout the history of the church, and we're often pulled kind of two directions, sometimes in the same way on different issues, but some of us are are bent maybe more to a little legalism and like, help me figure out what must I do to be obedient on the Sabbath? 
And then, man, I'm free in Jesus. I don't need those laws. Yeah. You know, and the big words are antinomianism, no, no law, but right. license and, and liberty. And then, um, you know, the, the legalism, the law focus. And we would tend to think, I think incorrectly, and, and Sinclair Ferguson pointed this out in these great lectures on the Marrow controversy in Scotland. Um, we think the answer to lawlessness is law. And the answer to law is liberty when the answer to both is Christ and the gospel. And so what that means is I'm trying to think about this as a pastor. I've had so many conversations where most people are like, well, what can I do on the Sabbath? Or this one, and Sean gets it too, like, can my kids play sports on the Sabbath? Like, what what do I do on the Lord's Day? Hmm. Uh, we're not going to answer those questions for you this morning, just if you're wondering. Uh, but <laughs> I would ask you, like, where does your heart run does it run to more, hey, I'm free, I don't need to think about this, or I need to figure out the exact rules? And instead, kind of the question we've posed, and we're going to get to, but it's what's it mean to delight? How do we how do mm. we find rest? How do we find renewal? How do we make this day about ordering our souls and delighting in the presence of God? And that's yeah. where Jesus was able to heal on the Sabbath, and it wasn't breaking the Sabbath. He was able to... Uh, pick the grain on the Sabbath and there were work, these works of necessity. So I think trying to come back to the principles and even asking again, why did God rest after creation is going to be more helpful than us telling you what we think you should do on the Sabbath. Yeah. And I think building on that a little bit, the it's a little bit of a different topic here, but being connected all week to our work, to our busyness, to our family, to all the tasks that we have um, the, the, the Sabbath, the, I don't think we should think about it as the absence of connection. And mm, I think Jesus mm-hmm. addresses this in John 15 when he talks about being the true vine, right? I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. He, he says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. This concept of connection is not something that is brand new to our technological world. Mm. Uh, this, uh, this, uh, it's, it's about being connected to the right source and being connected to Jesus, being connected to God in, in relationship, in deep relationship, not just information, not just knowing the vine is there and going when we want something from it, but being connected to it helps us to, to reform our desires and our thoughts and our habits to the Father's will. Yeah. And, and I think when Jesus talks about this, he, he really gets this idea of connection that we're tempted to be connected to all these other sources of life mm-hmm. rather than him. And I, and I think we tend to run to your extremes, Dan, that you were talking about, uh, because we're connected to our desire to uh, have self-righteousness, to be able to, to achieve and to, uh, and to figure things out on our own instead of being connected to the source. And so, so again, Sabbath is not the absence of connection. It's the right one, mm. right? It's being connected to the, yeah. to the Father's will, to the Father's, uh, yeah, will for our lives. That's good. So you guys have started to kind of get more practical, uh, but let's, you know, let's end sort of thinking through that. You know, if you think about it, the Sabbath is the only commandment of the 10 that's a habit that God is commanding, that we would have this habit of regular rest. And so thinking about that habit and, and cultivating that habit in our lives, what are maybe some, um, you know, practical do's and don'ts for Sabbath keeping that you found helpful for your own uh, life and walk with the Lord, um, or that you've heard from others or, or just from your own knowledge? I think it starts with what Mark Buchanan, the man I mentioned from his book, The Rest of God, with this. 
First, we change our minds. Before we can keep a Sabbath day, we have to cultivate a Sabbath heart. Hmm. A Sabbath heart sanctifies time. This isn't a ritual. It's a perspective. And it's not a shift in circumstances because we often think, oh, well, when things change, then I'll do better at keeping Sabbath, restoring myself. But he says, you'll still have the same job tomorrow, the same problems with aging parents or wayward children, the same battle looming in the church, but you make a deliberate choice to shift your point of view and you choose to see your life otherwise through a different lens from a different standpoint with a different mindset. And so I think beginning to ask that question, how can I find delight in the Lord? You know, maybe you are so busy the rest of the week and you begin to put boundaries and, and make that. So I think it starts with a heart issue. And then there's other pragmatic things. Uh, but to be honest, this is a challenge, right? Because for me, part of my work is on the Sabbath. Yeah. And not only preparing to preach and worship services, but then there's often meetings with folks on Sundays and Sunday nights. And so that's not in some ways a restorative day for me. Mm-hmm. And so particularly during this season of pandemic and the way it's played itself out, it's really shown my failure to rest well other times. Mm. You know, so I have to figure out what does rest and re- restoration look for like for me? Because um, Sunday's still the Lord's day and I still need to keep it holy and I still am called as a work of necessity to work, but there's ways I need to rest that I haven't. So there's a unique way that this is harder for me to apply, and I can give a few things, but um, I just know finding rest is still a challenge for me, and I've yeah. been convicted of that this past year. Yeah. Um, I, Ross, I'll I'll take your your question and your principle of thinking of do's and don'ts on the Sabbath, but I'll encourage not having strict do's and don'ts on the Sabbath. Also, kind of what we talked about earlier, right? Mm-hmm. Like tending toward the law or towards antinomianism. I, I right. think it's more helpful to be able to like it, it's going to take more work. This is true for me to be reflective of how did this week go? What, what, what did I find that stressed me out the most? What did I, what did I find? Where did I find a lot of life this week apart from God and really trying to address some of those things internally, be introspective and be able to go into the Sabbath saying, Lord, I, you know, convict me. Where do I need to, where do I need to rest in you? Is it laying on the couch, reading your word? Is it meditating on a walk in nature? Is it, um, is it just, doing things that I know are going to be fun with my family. Um, you know, what, what does that look like? And I think that frees us from having this list of, okay, here's the ritual of what we do on this, you know, and, and some of those boundaries are good and having a a routine is, is good or a rhythm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but also, but really trying to avoid that, like, okay, I can't do this, but I can do this. And so I think keeping myself from that strict list, it, it, it helps me die to my sense of control and, and desire to control how that day will go. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah, I was going to say, I think one thing we began the series with, but it does include worship. Yes. You know, God has ordained this day for us to gather. And so that can mean all sorts of things. So you might want to go back, if you didn't start on this series, and kind of hear our thoughts about worship, how to prepare for worship, some of those things. Uh, one other thing that we do have done in our home, and it's looked a little different over the years, but really on Sunday, there's just one meal that we really cook. And that's usually lunch. Uh, for a season, the girls on Sunday night would get Sundays. I mean, nice. you know, it was kind of fun, and they got enough good food the rest of the day, and that made them delight in the day. Cool. Uh, now we've kind of gone to cereal or leftovers on Sunday night, just another way to provide rest uh, for that's cool. for us from being in the kitchen or doing a crockpot meal or like just little things like that to find rest. And I think 
also saying how does how does today look different than any other day mm-hmm. i think that's again another good reference like or is it is it the same except i i go to church or is there something different and that that could help you cuz i think we're all different sometimes people work with their minds a lot find rest from working with their hands people who work with their hands ah. a lot often find rest by working with their mind or reading and mm. and so like even that. knowing that how we find rest is different yeah so i'm an acronym guy you may not <laughs> be an acronym person but uh uh i'm gonna go with this so i've been helped by the acronym stop and uh the s literally stands for stop um that's and this is sort of a, a framework for um kind of keeping the sabbath so stop this is like you guys have kind of expressed this is hard for me to do but cease from your work um and that what does it take to do that it takes planning um you know if you're behind on something maybe uh planning getting it done before uh, the sabbath or figuring out a time to do it afterwards Um, but it also takes trust Um, to stop really takes trust and i think that's a another neat part about the the sabbath is it's just a regular way to um, cultivate trust and to release us from control and i try to when work comes to mind and something work related comes to mind um, as i'm trying to uh, sabbath is i i have a to-do list on hand to just write it down so that i at least don't forget it Um, but then the t stands for treasure and that's just that idea of delighting like don't just stop but you also have to delight um, and treasure, treasure Christ, spend more time in his word and prayer. Obviously Sunday worship is huge for this treasure, his greatness over our idols. You know, our idols seek to convince us that we exist for them. And if you can't stop or don't know how to rest, look for the demanding deity that's sort of barking orders at you underneath that. Um, you know, so I, I try to cease from social media. There's, there's a lot of redeeming qualities of social media, but I find that it can often um, make me restless and, and, and be a discouragement sometimes. And so I try to just um, do that. That may not be the case for you, and that's fine. But for me, I've found that that, that, is, that helps me rest better and delight in the Lord more. Um, and uh, treasure God's work in your life lately. Maybe take some time. This is kind of what Sean was getting at. Give thanks for ways you've seen God at work recently. And then maybe think about the things coming up, maybe things that you're maybe fearful of and and reflect upon his promise to be with you in those. Um, Treasure him through his creation. Get outside, play, or read a good book. Um, And then uh, treasure your work. Uh, You know, God delighted in his, the work of his creation. Maybe take some time and think through what were some wins at work this past week? Some of the work, rejoice in the work of your hands. Um, the, that's the T so treasure, the O stands for others. You know, we're not just to receive rest. We're also to give rest. If you look at the Sabbath command in the, um, 10 commandments, there's this of letting others rest as well. Um, and this was a major point that Jesus made, um, was how mercy was, um, a component of it as well. And so, you know, this part of this is practically at church when you're giving of tithes and offerings. That's one way that we're we're giving rest is we're we're giving um, finances towards kingdom endeavors. Uh, but maybe it's giving rest to your spouse or kids in a certain way, um, or maybe blessing someone or doing something kind for someone. Um, there's so many obviously ways to do that. And then the P stands for preserve judgment, and uh, that's an important one we've hit on multiple times. And Dan 
talked about just legalism and antinomianism, but yeah, just, just stay humble in the way that we Sabbath and, and don't, don't impose your Sabbath keeping on another person's, um, it, it, there definitely can be differences between us, but there's also similarities. Anything else? Any final words from you guys before we call it a day? I would just add that most of our community groups meet on Sunday night, not yeah. all of them, but it is an opportunity, again, to delight with others and yes. serve others in yes. community. And when That's we're busy, point. to kind of set aside, all right, no, this is going to be the day. And it can be a challenge. I know a lot of people want to gather themselves before the work week, and it may not work, but... I think it's just another opportunity that that could be a way of keeping Sabbath and yeah. finding rest and renewal by being with others, especially if you're an extrovert. Yeah. Uh, that's an extra, a really helpful way to yeah. do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Extroverts rule. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys for uh, tuning in. Uh, this was certainly uh, a really helpful discussion for the three of us, and we hope it was for you as well. And we look forward to um, closing out our series next week, talking about sacraments. Um, so join us again for that um, but until then grace and peace to you all and we'll see you next time